All right, everybody, welcome back. It's another episode of the Doghouse. My man Jimmy Rogers is not with me today. Got a little something new going on for uh, for everybody. And here's what we got a lot of new stuff coming and going here in the Doghouse, and we'll tell you more about some of it later. But a new thing that I'm going to do, um, we're going to call it Story Time with Big Soup. Um, and to give you a little background on that, when I was in college, my buddies. My buddy Carl McKinnish from uh, Bruton, Alabama, dubbed me uh, Big Soup. That was my nickname. So, story time with Big Soup. And I'm just going to spend time. It may be once a week. It may be twice a month. It may be once a month. And I'm just going to get with people that I enjoy, that I like, and I want to get to know. And I'm going to tell their story on here. And it may be hunting related. It may be business related. It may be dog related. Um. It could be anything. So there are no rules. So for the folks that um, want to listen to the dog stuff, this may be something to bridge in between. Um, for all my buddies and that, that tell me, say, man, I love your podcast, but, you know, dog training really ain't my thing. Pay you to do that or, <laughs> or, or, or whatnot. Um, this this will be something for them to listen to. But it, a, lot, it, a lot of it will be hunting-type related stuff. So. Um, start things out on story time with Big Soup. Got my buddy Walter Field. Hey, Walter. Hey, Adam. How, How you doing, doing bud? <laughs> I'm good, man. I'm good. Are you excited? The very first story time. I guess so. We've been talking about potential of doing this for since the beginning of your podcast. So I know it. So finally, finally getting on the same page. Here. We are uh, 14 months later. I finally got you nailed down. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I ran from you a few times here recently, <laughs> but. Figured if we was going to do it, now's the time. Uh, well, why not now? Yeah. Why not now? It, it, one time in particular, we was uh, uh, hunting this winter, and I, I said, I got my podcast box out there in the truck. Oh, I think I'm going to turn it in for the night, Walter said, and there he went. Yeah, we had uh, laid it into two e- late in the evening and had our early morning in front of us. And yep. I don't know that I'm ever very talkative, but I, I don't believe I would have been very good at it that evening. <laughs> well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull it out of you today. I'm gonna, my... My this is my first one. I just told you I'm a little bit nervous about this deal, and um, I'm fixing to test out my skills here to try to get you to talk a little bit. They will be challenged for sure. <laughs> All right, Walter, just uh, we'll start these things out. Who is Walter Field? Where are you from? Sugarlock, Mississippi. All right, say it slower. Sugarlock, Mississippi. Sugarlock, Mississippi. Indian name. Indian name. There's a lot of communities around there that. Or something like Aqualock or something. You know, yeah, Wahalik, uh, you know, Meshulaville. Yeah, yeah, like you said. A strong Indian presence there when I'm over there. I notice that. 
Yes, absolutely. Yep. And hard to spell. <laughs> it's spelled S H U Q U A L A K. Now, where Sugar Lock come from, I don't know. I don't know exactly either. Yeah, but yeah. if you look it up, if you if you like, if you look it up on your maps on your phone, under there it says pronounce Sugar Lock. You know? Yeah, it's so. Tough to tough to pronounce, even harder to spell. <laughs> that that is funny. So, t- where's Sugarlock at? East Central Mississippi. Yep. Uh, you know, really close to Alabama, kind of in that southern Black Belt region as far as you know agriculture and soil types and stuff. So, mm-hmm. a lot of lot of different variations of agriculture there, which kind of also benefits a lot of a lot of wildlife habitat as well. Yep. On 45 in between Meridian and Columbus, Columbus. Starkville. Yeah. yeah. I'm 50 miles from anywhere, I've always said. I'm, I'm <laughs> any Anything. Almost yeah. from Alabama. Yeah, I damn near just barely missed that. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, just just a few miles from Alabama. Yep. So so really, really close there. Pretty cool. So you grew up right there in Sugarlock, small town kid. Not, not even a town, really, huh? <laughs> it's barely has a pulse anymore yeah. and uh you know if you could go back a previous generation they could tell you about all the things and i just kind of saw the last little bit of it and uh yeah i went to school in macon uh private school there in in the town of macon's even kind of kind of changed a lot significantly where i went to school uh closed closed down a little 1a private school i don't know five six years ago now so yeah, very much small town. Yep. <laughs> and and you and I, we became friends. You um, you had a dog that, that got ran over. It got ran over. Yeah, I was out of town working, and uh, yeah, got a call from my wife. We farm, and anyway, guy hauling cotton modules just topped a hill, and she had let it out of a let it out of our little office there, which is close to the road. She mm-hmm. was taking care of it, and anyway. Wrong place, wrong time. Got yeah. ran over, and it was the dog kind of trained the dog myself, and uh, it had kind of repeaked my interest into to duck hunting at a at a, at a high level that I, that I'd or you know, I'd say high intensity, you know, just desire to do it that I had had previous years, and uh, was really looking forward to duck season and just kind of getting her to the point where you could let the reins go and let her go, and uh, yeah, with six weeks before duck season, she got run over there and kind of upset about that and got to looking for a dog and got to asking friends and they pointed me in in your direction pretty quick there yeah jack sent you over here jack sent me over here yeah and um i would say you were definitely a man that knew what you wanted well i'm glad it it came across that way pretty sure right well i don't know but i mean it you know you're less than two months away from duck season so you you don't want a six week seven week old puppy right so i was ready to go hunting Right, but you didn't want to, like, we placed a dog with you, and you, it was pretty quick. You're like, no, this is not it. Oh, yeah, yeah. we we yeah. Uh, we test drove about four of them, you know. <laughs> I still get get ribbed on that in camp fairly regularly, <laughs> among other things. They, they they don't pass many many chances to take a shot at me. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, went test drove, as they say, about four of them. But, yeah. we, but, but we picked a direction there. Well, good. Good. Well, I mean – you know, you hate that stuff happens, but, you know, when you look at everything full circle, I mean, we became friends. Oh, absolutely. It definitely see a lot of good that came out of that, for yep, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Well, good. So, 
let's talk a little bit about um, growing up in your your family farm there. Okay. Um, tell us about it's in the community's called Calix, right? Calix, yeah, that's just a <clears throat> a name the U.S. government gave that community in I don't know early fifties, nineteen fifty two or fifty three. Uh, gave it a, a a postal service office there. And uh, and they put the the post office in the general store there in Calix, and you know I don't know there was I think at the time over fifty families or something living in that little community, maybe like you know three hundred people or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so I'm the uh, eighth generation there oh. on, on that family farm, and it's uh, still in one, the same piece. Still in the same piece. It's all connecting, joining there. Uh, you know, the timelines of how it was all put together and, and, and grew, you know, I'm, I may not have the exact particulars on on that. But, uh, right. yeah, eighth generation, uh, one piece. The uh, original family came out of Virginia in, in the 1820s. So, really? Been there a long time. And it started right there, right on, the, there. on that farm. That is correct. And for eight generations, it stayed in y'all's family. Yes. That's pretty incredible. Yes, it is. It's it's rare, and it's you know, even maybe even more rare that that this far into it, everybody still kind of has the same visions and dreams, and we we pull the rope in the same direction. So, yep, that, that's um, it's extremely hard dealing with your family anyway. You know, it's because a family grows and gets bigger, um, th- that task becomes even more difficult. So it it has its challenges, but. Any of them do. But, yeah, probably an, an extra special set of challenges. But like I said, you know, for the most part, everyone has the same goals and, and aspirations for the, for, the, for the farm and for the, for the property. So everybody's essentially pulling the rope in the same direction for that, the most part. That's really cool. So growing up on a, on a farm like that, you know, when you got – maybe you told me before your dad was not a, much of a hunter. Is that correct? He's not, he's not not at all. Not I at mean, all. You know, maybe maybe he did it a little bit, you know, high school or college, but I, I it was never a passion for him by right. by any stretch of the imagination. So no, he did not hunt. <laughs> so I mean, how did I mean? You have a we're gonna get more into it, but you have a strong desire for the outdoors. Where did that come from? You reckon? <sighs> well, we're in the southeast, and like you said, small town. So it seems like this culture has maybe diminished since. I was a child, but, you know, hunting, hunting was a big, big part of this culture mm-hmm. in, in, in the area I'm from. So, you know, friends at school, you know, you know, it was like a national holiday, opening day of deer season. And, and last day of deer season, you know, we would all get written excuses to miss school to have a big deer <laughs> drive. I mean, it's just kind of, so, you know, friends at school, but it didn't know what I had there with the family place and the opportunity, but so I don't know. It just, yeah, it was a desire. And thankfully, since my dad really wasn't into it a lot and, and worked a lot, there were there were people close to me that, that, that had uh, had interest in it and, and thankfully took the time to, to drag me along. I know I worried probably all of them to death. <laughs> I probably wanted to go, you know, more than they did. But, but there was always someone to take me and, and to, to support that. I was kind of the same way. My dad did not hunt, never hunted, and really despised it. So I had to aggravate my uncles, Clyde and Runt and Steve and everybody. And they took me, and, you know, I'm glad they did. Yeah. So it's always good, to, you know, to do that for a kid. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I guess get the, the, the song and everything, you know, pass it on. And, and I guess I've already kind of, I've got three girls. Yeah. And, uh, one of them, the oldest one, has an interest in it. But, but anyway, I always enjoy taking youth and stuff hunting. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, glad glad someone took me, for sure. Well, well I, mean, I guess we can get into your family. You have your wife, Dawn, and yeah. three pretty little girls. Yeah, very, very blessed. So. Yeah, very blessed. And um, Grace has already killed a turkey? Yeah, she killed her first turkey last year at uh, six. And, uh, you know, she's – Really looking forward to to this upcoming season. I think we were taking her to the school bus just a couple of days ago, and she said, "Daddy, can we go hunting every day on spring break next week?" <laughs> and I was like, "Well, baby, it's, it's supposed to be about twenty two degrees here for a few of them days. Are you you sure about that?" And and at one time she said, "We's eating breakfast." She said, "I don't care. I'll bundle up." But I don't I don't know if she quite grasped that yet. But yeah, she killed her first turkey last year, and uh, she's been going with me. Probably since she was four, killed killed her first turkey with, or you know, along with me when she was four, and she's done it. The the second one, Addison, she hasn't really picked much of a direction of a, any particular interest <laughs> of things she's interested in. She just kind of goes with the flow, and then we got the got the babies a little over one, yeah, something like that. I'm so. sh- and she seems so happy and go lucky. She's gonna be down for whatever oh, <laughs> unless yeah. something changes. She, she's with every, wherever the party's at. So. <laughs> There ain't no doubt. So, growing up as a kid, deer hunting was obviously your first passion? Yes. Turkeys soon thereafter. Uh, but, yes, deer hunting. Uh, you know, I probably started deer hunting when I was, you know, five or six. Killed the uh, – see, killed my, killed my first deer when I was eight. And uh, I know I was turkey hunting at eight. I turkey hunted a season before I killed one. Killed one at nine. And uh, right there, tip for tat, though, yeah. I started early. Yeah, Not but, as early as a lot of kids do now. You know, you hear, like, these kids kill something at four. And I'm like, my goodness, man, that's mind-boggling. But I don't know. I think I think there's some kind of cheating in some of them instances where they look into the, the phones and they, you know, daddy's holding it and they just touch the trigger i don't know it's just kind of hard for me seeing a four-year-old shoot stuff i can't i can't imagine a four-year-old doing it yeah it seems rare but yeah i i was ate up with it for a long time and and, and i i can't say deer over turkeys or turkeys over deer i'm just just absolutely infatuated with it for ever so you killed your first deer at eight was it was it could you kill does back then yeah there? yeah first uh first year was was a doe and uh i guess that was the only one i killed that year and then next one's you know following year was a was a nice eight point but yeah yeah you could kill does and i can't remember exactly if if you used to have the doe tags back then or they had doe day or something like that but yeah, seemed like it, back then in Alabama there was certain days that you could shoot those. Yeah, they used to. I wasn't sure with Alabama law, but they used to have doe days, and then they would they would sign out doe tags, and and you would get tags except for maybe the doe days, and anybody could do it. So right. anyway, I guess they sensed that the population growth was happening at a rate that was not sustainable, and they they opened up that stuff a little more. Probably probably a tad late to that. Right. Yeah, and so at, at duck camp this year, we were talking about 
I remember Lee and you were talking about it, and I remember it too, the Monster Bucks videos. Oh, when yeah. We, when we were kids, you know, it was just like, man, those, those things were a big deal. I mean, it was <laughs> – I mean, I'm trying to think, you know, it was just – I guess getting your your fall Cabela's magazine, you know, when it was about as big as a Sears Roebuck thing, <laughs> and uh, that was a big deal. But when they released the Monster Buck videos, and I, probably the first one I had was three, something like that. But yeah, going to Walmart and getting that, watching that, and get you know, getting excited about the season, they just that was just something you kind of circled to look forward to. What about a big deer story? Have you? I mean, I know you've probably killed. On that place over there, you probably killed a really good one. What's yeah. the? I guess what's the biggest one? Uh score wise, like one seventy one. And and to be honest with you, if you the the second the second best one would be like you know one hundred sixty seven, one hundred sixty eight, and uh, right there the, on the farm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's several probably you know right there around one sixty, and you know several more at one fifty. The the one seventy one was a bow kill. If you put it and the next best one side by side, you you, you would think that you know the one sixty seven dwarfed it. It does. The, the other deer was just had a lot of points that that added up to to inches there. But but the one sixty seven is a yeah, big mainframe yeah, magnum, huh? That was a deer I hunted with a bow for a couple of years, and uh, yeah, I think he put on about twenty inches right there. In the last year, he's probably six and a half when I killed him. So he he grew a lot. Ended up killing him with a rifle. I got frustrated and and said the heck with it. And we were actually just riding around checking camera cards, and uh, me and my brother in law, and uh, in the area, kind of I hadn't seen him or hadn't seen pictures of him. This has been a while back. This was probably 2014 or something like that. And anyway, hadn't seen him, but he he jumped across a little fire lane or a little little kind of a small road in a, in a pines there and i was like oh my gosh here he is and this is like lunchtime and uh went right up there where i saw him and uh checked the trail camera and went back and, and there he was and i, I went and grabbed a old man climber grabbed my, my gun and, and went right there back to right then and i i don't think i was done pulling my gun up the rope when when i saw him I know I didn't have gloves on. I didn't have any of my like little bag with stuff in there. But anyway, shot him for I got in the tree stand good. But you know, pro- probably the ones that that stick out the most were you know when I was really young, or the ones that got away usually. Oh yeah, those things. Yeah, yeah. that they they sting a little more and etch a etch a spot. So haven't really deer hunted much in the last. I don't know, six, seven years. It's at least been since I've known you. Yeah. It <clears throat> started farming. I mean, sure, sure, the something getting ahead of myself here, but started farming in 2012. And at that time, I was really big in archery only, but you know, bow, bow hunting. Mm-hmm. And, uh, just, I mean, doing it all year long, obviously, you know, not just in bow season. Uh, hadn't hunted with a gun in years and, and we were really into it. And anyway, we started farming, and uh, my leisure time in the falls disappeared. And uh, just slowly but surely, probably over a two, three, four-year stretch there, just got to where I was hunting less and less. And then the the uh, the deer and kind of the, the, the crops they eat throughout the growing season, and, and I mean, it just got to where I hated them. They's eating 
entirely too much money out of my pocket. <laughs> and eating your, and you, eating off your table. Yeah, and you think you just, well, I want to kill them all, and I do. Really, that's about, in a way, kind of how I feel about them now. <laughs> but but it did not happen in the fact where I'm going to hunt them harder and try to kill more. And, uh, yeah, it just slowly kind of kind of got out of that. Uh, have hunted a little bit more. More when I say a little bit, I mean a little bit more. You know, with the kids, the last couple of years, going mm-hmm. full of times taking taking them, and and Grace will probably be big enough to where she can shoot a rifle uh, next year. So I'm I would imagine as as they get older, if they take an interest in that, that could pick back up. And uh, we we still have some family and uh, and friends that that hunt the place. Obviously, uh, the, the the parts we don't lease out on the on the deer side of it. So we're we're never missing a beat as far as doing food plots and doing things right. there as far as the taking care of them. I'm just not out there chasing as much. I've kind of, I tell everybody now that you know, they ask me about deer hunting. I say, I kind of got out of that, but, about everything I hunt's got feathers now. So I'm usually chasing <laughs> something else that time of year. Well, going back to the farm, and I may have, you know, I told you I was probably a little nervous about getting, you know, getting this thing going here, but jump. I jumped in to hunt maybe before I should have, but the farm was majority cattle for a long time, correct? Yeah, that's correct. As far as is our family being involved in farming from a, a, a row crop standpoint, I guess there was a void from the early 50s maybe. Yeah, early 50s kind of in that I mean, sharecropping window till to the time I got back going or, or started going in 2012. Now probably there was a couple of uh couple people that tried it out in the eighties. Uh you may could could classify at least one of those guys as kind of an insurance farmer. <laughs> yeah, there, there was <laughs> there was about two people of those that came along. And I think uh maybe the other one was not, but the uh the deer eating soybeans humbled him where he, he threw in the white flag pretty quick there. So yeah, pretty big void there as far as the bulk of that property not being used as far as row crop agriculture. Yep. And so. uh that ground was pretty pretty raw and we've been we've been working at it for eleven, twelve years now. So y'all run cattle and you started row cropping in twelve, you said? Yeah, yeah. But on the cattle side, uh essentially when the family got out of, of row crop stuff, you know, in the fifties they, they got into to cattle maybe even before that i think actually mid-30s my dad was telling me just several weeks back or month or so ago about the about the first cattle that came on the place were you know railed in by by train rail car under sugarlock and he was telling me you know what all individuals drove them you know from from town out out to the farm there and i think that was around 35 so i've been around cattle my whole life mm-hmm. uh the, the row crop stuff was was new to me obviously i had a bunch of friends and stuff that did it in the area and i leaned on them pretty pretty hard when i was trying to figure it out but yeah i grew up around cattle and around them my whole life right. but you're essentially a first generation row crop farmer absolutely yeah and yeah. getting started into that you know that's there is a mouthful that you have to bite off to even get started yeah i kind of tell people when they ask me about it now i said you know if <laughs> If I had to, if I had to start over again, knowing what I know now, I probably don't know if I'd do that. But I was just literally kind of, you know, young enough and and dumb enough, and and you know, 
full of piss and vinegar to to, to kind of push through the learning curve of it. Still yeah. learn. I mean, you, you never quit learning it in this. Absolutely. And no two years are the same. And, uh, yeah, it's it, it's challenging. It's very rewarding work. You know, you kind of get to get to see and experience some things, kind of what you've accomplished at the end of the day or end of a growing season. In some years, it's more gratifying than others. But, uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> and I tell, tell people all the time my favorite – Favorite part, and I'm joking, but 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 there's some truth to it. My favorite part about farming season is duck season. <laughs> you know, we're not farming at all. <laughs> but uh, my favorite part about farming is, you know, riding around the evening times where you got friend on the on the buggy or your family on the buggy, and you you got to rain that morning or that day or the day before. And you ride around and look at it when you feel good about it. So yeah, same way with kind of the cattle. Your favorite favorite things not. You know, warming warming cows or giving black leg shots calves, which when you ride around and look at them, so a big old mama cow out there with big round rump calves yeah. sucking on her. That's black cows healthy. on green ga- green grass. Yeah. <laughs> so I always tell people, y'all got some of the prettiest. You know, I grew up around cattle my whole life too, but y'all have some of the finest, um, you know, cattle that I've ever seen. Just, Big old. That probably means we feed them way too much. So <laughs> yeah. they got grass up to their bellies mo- in most of the spots. So yeah, my dad likes feeding them. I, I mean, I, I like taking care of them, but he likes feeding them way more. Than <laughs> I can't hide the tractor keys good enough for him <laughs> not to find them. So, so I mean, so you're row cropping. What? How much land do you row crop now? Oh, if you had a guess. I know it's kind of. You probably have a good guess. Well, I have a. I have a partner. Uh, which obviously you know well, Leland yep. Irby, that yep. I farm with. And uh, I got – I farm my family ground, you know, kind of – we say it's kind of my acres, and he's got acres that he farms. And then there's there's some property that he's bought since we've been doing this that we farm together 50-50. So I may have my acres, and he may have his, and we have ours, but we treat it as one. And, you know, we're taking care of it just like it's it's all in the pot. So – as a whole, I would, you know, I hadn't figured it up recently. Between you know, twenty six, twenty seven hundred acres, something like that. Yeah, that's yep. that's a lot of work. It sure seems to work. All, everyone involved as much <laughs> or more than you want to put in it. You know, if you were to to travel not very far west, the Delta, it'd be like, man, that's that's a hobby farm. We actually joke about that. And we we call it a hobby farm, but uh, it yeah, big or small, some it, it seems to work us pretty significant amount of time uh, i know and i know you stay busy you're about to get real busy yeah that that time's coming uh i know last week it you know it was and we had a week 10 day stretch there it was sunny and 70 or sunny and 80 and i'm sure everybody's kind of wheels were getting spinning and thinking but we've got two inches of rain here in the last few days it's supposed to be 22 with a high 40 here so that'll that'll slow those emotions down and it it probably needed yeah it's it's leland said today that that kept us from from doing something stupid so <laughs> i would agree with him and it, and it goes back to your turkey hunters earlier last week it was 75 bluebird days you know i bet the turkeys are getting you know ready to grow and then it's going to open up for y'all and it's going to be cold you know you you can just about book it that and I understand why they why they do it, but that that youth season, which you know Mississippi for a long time has been seven days prior to the fifteenth, so like the eighth, you know, to the fourteenth, mm-hmm. you can book it. There's going to be some adverse weather during during youth, and I fought that and taking kids and 
I'm just not going to fight that battle anymore. You just, you know, you want it to be enjoyable to them. And, and uh, tough weather, tough hunting conditions that time of year anyway. Yeah. So you can about book during youth youth week of turkey season in Mississippi. It's going to be some some tough weather. Tough weather. We're going to, let's hold off on the turkey hunting. All right. And <clears throat> let's talk about, you know, you obviously started out during turkey hunting, but transferring over to, you know, I guess if I had to say one thing hunting wise that you're most passionate about right now, it's ducks. Would I be lying? I'm glad I don't have to choose between the two as far as ducks and turkey. Yeah. Uh, be a tough decision. All right. But needless to say, you're pretty dang fired up about duck hunting. Absolutely. Yeah. So Absolutely. Where did that start? You know, I, I don't know. You know, obviously, East Central Mississippi is not the, the, designated flyway that you think of now there is a flyway and it's probably you know a lot to do with that that black belt region we talked about you know it kind of opens up into some some rolling prairie ground farm ground and obviously you got the uh, tom bigby waterway through there which is some habitat so anyway there were there were ducks in the area now i I didn't get going on that at the young age as, as the others that was high school and uh, I don't know friends that that did it and get going on that, but that's that's kind of the time frame that got started. Don't seem to have as many ducks in that area as there was back in those days. But uh, got started then. Got got into it pretty significant in, through the college years, and you know did the thing like so many do. You know, put in with every draw at every WMA public place and travel all over. A lot of hit and miss there. Um, you know, for the most part, and we did a lot of that, but for the most part, we, we always say we never kill as many ducks there as we do at home. You know, in that time frame, we, it may be late in the year, but we kill a lot of ducks at home. Mm-hmm. So that's where that got started. Uh, started in high school, did a lot in college. Never quit, but may may cooled off on 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 the the level i was doing that at t- till that time period i kind of said you know with, when i got that dog kind of training it myself and kind of kind of that's what kind of got me re-energized in it and and uh boy it escalated quick <laughs> from there i would uh we we and i mean the, the group of people that that we duck hunt you're thankfully a part of that we have uh take it taking it to a to a different level in the last five six years you know so we uh yeah it's a priority year long year round year year, all year long we think about it we talk about it it's a constant ongoing conversation you know and maybe it's not daily we may miss a week or two but it's gonna hit right back because i mean the things that that so many things with waterfowl duck hunting that that you can control or not during duck season, there's a lot you can't control. You know, you can't control the migration or nope. what days is sunny or cloudy or wind direction. But but a lot of the things you can control as far as determining your fate duck hunting or, or not during duck season. And we try not to get as busy as we are on the farm. We we try not to neglect that. It, it, essentially. It seems like the last several years, it seems like you have a late, tough planting season. And, you you know, the last thing we plant, you know, is cotton. And you're trying to get your 
your corn nitrate and stuffing. As soon as we we get done with uh with farming, we we go right into our duck farming, and uh, you know we're trying to get rice planted or corn planted, and you know later on the millet. But yeah, it's we put a lot of effort in, into ducks and. <clears throat> A lot of we we talk and it, we're always looking for ways and things to do better. Um, Absolutely, because it's it is the only thing we can control. Yes, and it's you know I would say our our whole group is is uh, the uh, people that we duck hunt with. You know, Leland, Lee, you, Justin, Jacob, and, and you know Dan. There, I mean, we're we're constantly trying to critique it and adjust it, and you know. Not to get too deep, but you know, habitat's always changing. Always, and, and if you've got to to kind of react quick or be proactive, if you get behind, it's you're just digging yourself in a deeper hole. And uh, yeah, we're 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 constantly fooling with it. And, and obviously, a lot of the, the habitat things you do they they don't happen overnight. It's it's a it's a slow process. So, and maybe even over years, but over couple of years yeah. three four five years as far as developing oh yeah some of the things that that we've got in play now is you're you know you're going to be a long time seeing yeah. seeing results out of those just things. hope we're around to see it one of these days yeah <laughs> at least you can kind of see it see that it was headed in the right direction <laughs> yeah well we do have a great group of guys there that we enjoy all of us enjoy one another and spending time with one another and we're f- very fortunate very, very fortunate to get to go and shoot some ducks and absolutely be it's, around uh, people that we we really like. Absolutely, it's uh, I guess you know we do the bulk of our <laughs> we do the bulk of our hunting, you know, in the Mississippi Delta now, mm-hmm. and uh, you know Leland's gracious enough to to let us tag along with him, but that 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 property is is uh it's raised the bar and it's made it to you know we say all the time it's kind of spoiled us and it, it's changed the way we 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 look at our our stuff here you know kind of around the family farm and the stuff <laughs> we do here now we still do that stuff we plant the crops and we're constantly making it better but it's it's a different kind of hunting and uh so yeah we spend most of our time traveling west we we do and very very fortunate to get to do so absolutely absolutely but you know we've been to i mean i'm talking today about stuff there so you know we're already looking forward to next year and you know whether it's replacing pipes and risers or changing you know what to plant here and there it's sheet water talking about the conversation never never ends so what what's your I mean, let's talk about habitat a little bit. What's your thoughts on sheet water? Those ducks are flying down through there, and they're way up there. They need something they need to be able to see, correct? That's my thoughts. Absolutely. You know, I think, you know, maybe once you, you get a number of ducks imprinted into an area, then maybe you don't need that, that, that flashing sign out there in that area there there's ducks imprinted you know right there where we spend the bulk of our time mm-hmm. hunting so you know just within our group obviously we have differences of opinion i think it's good to an extent and, and i mean we see we see the neighbors you know there's there's the ducks they over sitting on the sheet water in a mud hole exactly but the 
one of the main reasons they're there is because they, they're not getting shot there. <laughs> and the, one of the reasons they're not getting shot there is because you can't, you can't, you're not going to kill them there. You know, you may, you know, sky blast or whatever, but you're not going to kill very you're going to many. You're lay, lay in the mud like Rambo. Yeah, so I'm a little hesitant on, you know, that particular situation about, you know, adding a bunch of sheet water. You're, in, in a way, it, there's some pros to it, but I, I personally, you know, kind of concerned about adding competition to yourself, you know, spreading out your, your number of ducks. But, hey, and, and like, the, the, we're always wanting to imprint more ducks. Right. And get get a a bigger presence of ducks that that use that area, so if that happens, it's going to take more water, yeah, and more food to total. Yeah, and I I guess what I was trying to say, you know, they're flying over and they're headed to Belzoni, all right, and but they see all that water and they're like, well, let's go look at this. They get down there and like, man, here's the party right here. So let's fall in here with these guys. I guess that would be my thoughts on it. Well. I don't disagree with you. I mean, I believe you have, and I, I'm not smart enough to get real detailed in duck migration, okay, here, yeah. but I'm going to use terms that I didn't come up with, I heard, and that makes sense, but <laughs> a common term, you know, too, is is you have photo migrators or calendar ducks. You're talking about the same thing. As soon as the day starts getting short. As soon as the day's they getting short, they, they fly south, okay? The bulk of the ducks we hunt on that property they're headed there when they cross the Canadian border or wherever they 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 live the rest of the year. They're they're headed there. Right. It, it's their destination. And uh, do they? We hope they bring more with them, and we hope that 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 those uh, you know frost line migrator ducks that 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 they see that water you're talking about, and they see the party going on there, and they want to join them. But but you know, more times than not, the ducks that that we keep on that property and that we hunt they're they're your photo migrator calendar ducks yeah and man they get smart quick don't they i mean it's a it's a different duck january 15th than you were hunting december 10th yeah the strategy changes completely (laughs) that or you don't kill them exactly yeah because you know you hit a lick at them and, and and on december the 10th or 12th and you know, they'll, you can see them react. <laughs> oh, they make you feel like a world champ, yeah, man. I feel like Jim Ronquist out yeah, there. Yeah, you walk around with your chest poking out, and they, uh, <laughs> it's about two, three, three weeks of that, and then they start humbling you, and yeah. you, you better start thinking. You know, and uh, Better get hid and quiet. Yeah, I guess we've been over there, what, you know, four years or something like that, and I, I would think everybody would think we've, we've, we've been humbled enough to where we've changed our tactics. Oh, yeah. we definitely have. And if, in the time that I've been over there, we all we we've changed it. Absolutely, so, absolutely. But, but tons of good times had, and you know I've enjoyed um, hunting with you here at home too. You know, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Man, we've like I said, <laughs> hunting over there kind of spoiled you, but it's it's not that we have bad hunting here. We've got we got a couple places on the farm that we hunt and you know friends and family hunt there you know around the holidays and it can be good mm-hmm. i mean when it's when it's good it can be as good as anywhere and uh leland's got even you know several places on his farm there where he puts a lot of time and effort and uh man as far as ducks being imprinted on this part of the state man he's he, he's got a, a cool place there Them state line ducks yeah yeah but i tell you what they're uh it's it, they're 
Ben, it doesn't matter his farm, my farm. They're, they're tough to hunt. And it's just, it's just be getting hit. You know, it's, it's a lot of tough deal. You know, we, we're fortunate enough where a lot of our hunting, it, we're standing by a tree. Mm-hmm. And, man, I ain't got to tell you nothing. It spoils you quick. And, you know, we ride around. I hate it for these guys I'm about to mention here, but we – we ride around and we look at the flooded rice field and all that, and you you know you can see that pit blind or see that skid blind two miles away, and we call it a turd and a punch bowl. But I mean, you know that that's tough hunting, and uh, so back back here at home, yeah, it, it's it it's harder to, to to kill them ducks, and it's yeah, it's, it's tough. Here's a question I ask a lot of people <clears throat> about hunting in the woods, and I get some different answers, so I'm going to throw this one on you. I didn't, I didn't run this by you. Do you think the ducks can come in over the trees and see the mud rings around the trees where people are standing? Do you think they're smart enough to look for those? Just my opinion, right? Just your opinion. This Absolutely. Is, okay. Absolutely. Do you, see, I, do you see where they come over and they'll almost just hover looking sometimes? You know, about all the time, especially yep. in that time frame we were talking about after about the first two or two or three weeks of season. Yeah, you know, you better you better hide hard and get skinny and uh, skinny. Yeah, you better. <laughs> it's a little easier for some than others, but because I assure you, they're looking and and obviously sunshine goes a long, long way. Ain't it, it amazing? Yeah, it's. Uh, it's hard to hide in the clouds. I don't care where you're at. But, yeah, it, it really is a difference in night and day. So, but, yeah, I, I do. And, you know, everybody talks about muddy water, muddy water. Well, they're not talking about that in timber, you know. Right. So. so. And when the ducks are in the woods, you're saying they don't – the ducks don't make muddy water. I I don't believe so. I mean, how many times we ride around, you know, see all the – See all the mallards in that timber? You ever, you ever see muddy water? Never seen muddy water over there. Yeah. And listen, I'm not going to sit there and say that in those pockets and in holes early when they're, you know, feeding on some millet or maybe some smart weed that, that maybe they don't. But, mm-hmm. you know, I'm never going to ride in the hole and, you know, you know, prior to hunting and, and try to stir up mud. So, right. yeah, on those cloudy days, do they do they see that mud ring? And does it say, "Ooh, let's 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 start, let's pay a little more attention right there"? Do yeah. I believe? Absolutely. Yeah. In okay. my opinion, I asked people that, and I just wanted to. I what does everybody else say? They all say about the same thing. Yes, they agree that they can see it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hundred yeah. percent. All right. So, I guess. Let's let's kind of migrate towards some turkey stuff, and we'll wrap up with some turkey hunting stuff. Because right. turkey hunting comes in, you you know, when does it start for you? Fifteenth. All right, so 15th. five days. Uh, Today's the tenth. I don't know. Yeah, it's no the ninth. Soon, it's soon. So four, five, six days here it comes. So started turkey hunting as a kid. You were nine when you killed your first one. Nine. Shot my dad's Remington Model 1100. It, it had to be a foot taller than me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. So yeah, I said you know he he didn't he wasn't a hunter. So anyway, hunting wasn't a big priority. So you know it was kind of just had to, to use what was there. So yeah, I started hunting with his 12 gauge 1100, and with deer it was his Winchester Model 94 30 30 iron sights, 
and I hunted with it for about four years, killed a bunch of deer with it. So <laughs> you had to be a good hunter. And I've always well, said I would hate for you to be hunting me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's different. You know that 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 uh, model eleven hundred twelve gauge. It, it doesn't even have the threaded barrel. It's just an improved cylinder barrel. So, yeah, you had to get them tight. You had, you had to, to get, do your job. My second and third turkey I killed in, uh, no, third and fourth turkey I killed. I was 12. Uh, five came down the road, and, uh, you know, the guys hunting with Alan took me hunting a lot. You know, shoot one of them. I tried. But, anyway, they were they were too close. I got two of the five in, in one shot there accidentally. <laughs> so, yeah. They had to be hunting, hunting, and the the uh, the gear and the stuff we hunt with has come a long way since then. So, at what point did you consistently start killing turkeys? So, if you started at nine, you were going with adults. When did you consistently start killing turkeys? Well, I guess, <clears throat> I guess the answer would be fifteen by yourself. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, you know I called up and killed. Uh, kill turkeys by myself you know maybe maybe at that 13 14 you know started hunting by myself but i remember at 15 or 16 maybe i called up first call uh you know with the with the diaphragm mouth call and for some reason that one just it, it stuck out to me everything i called up you know was with the you know prior to that was with a friction call mm-hmm. but uh yeah i guess when you word it like that i mean get your driver's license at 15 so i started driving just before turkey season at, at, at 15 and uh i've killed a limit every every year since <laughs> you killed a limit every year since yeah so i guess on, when you were like that consistently uh yeah i guess about 15 or so that's pretty cool pretty pretty cool and you're 36 now yeah so for yeah. 20 years you've been killing yeah. them pretty good yeah. yeah so um y'all you used to have a Guy, what would you call it? A turkey? I outfit? guess outfitter. outfitter. Yeah, we had a hunting outfit deal, and I did that for eleven years. And I guess how I got into that is uh, when I was young in high school, uh, probably fifteen, sixteen years old. You know, we're, we're pretty close to uh, right there in the same county I'm from. It was a, a pretty big hunting outfit called the Roost. Uh, George Mayfield had it. And he uh, he had some really good people that, that helped guide for him. And, and just through mutual friends and, you know, ex, you know turkeys there on the family farm, I met a guy by the name of Don Ship, and uh, he started coming hunting with me and taking me hunting when I was about 16. And, uh, man, I at the time, he was just kind of – he had been kind of dominating a lot of those those uh, turkey calling championships. You know, he had won about three world championships, kind of when, when the world was the deal, kind of over the grand now, and a bunch of, you know, team calling with uh, with Larry Shockey. And anyway, hit it off with him and uh, developed that relationship at about 16. And uh, so he was obviously an exceptional caller, and he's even more so. A hunter and woodsman and uh i really tried to turn into a sponge there and uh soak up what i could from the calling standpoint i don't know if i don't know if i ever soaked up enough there <laughs> but uh 
really, really tried to learn what I could there and, and hunted with him probably. We still hunt together now, maybe not as consistent as, as we used to, but hunted with him for probably at least a week for probably, well, a week here. And I, I'd go hunt with him other places, Missouri, Arkansas, but probably for at least a week out of the year for probably 10 years. And uh, he had a uh, – so, but, but he was around that, that garden, and he had his own outfitter deal. And uh, that just led to, to thoughts and, and stuff of doing that, doing that opportunity uh, myself. And uh, so I guess I probably thought about it for a while, but, but did it and did the – the uh, my first season of doing the turkey hunters was was my senior year of school there at Mississippi State. Did did it during my last semester there, and uh, that was two thousand nine. Anyway, I did it for eleven years, and finally, I guess this is my second or third year of not doing it. Just kind of. I want to say that first year I got to know you, you were still doing it. I would imagine. Yeah, this <clears throat> this may just be my. This will be the third season mm-hmm. of not doing it. That's this upcoming right. one. You know, it was, it was kind of on the fence about it and backed off, and then that you know, COVID hysteria hit in spring of twenty, and it, I kind of just knocked it out. Never, never really went went back into doing that. Right. But really, that was a. I'm glad I did it, and uh, got to be in camp with some really good people. Uh, got to you know, one of the things that that there's. A handful of relationships that were established, uh, you know, clients during that time frame that I wouldn't have met, you know, if it wasn't for that, you know, so that sticks out and, and still have some of those relationships today. And then, and then also just kind of that time and, and camaraderie in the, in the camp with the guides, uh, it's irreplaceable. Is that, that, that's, that's something that, that I do miss about it now. And, uh, had, you know, had, had a really, good group of guys put together and we had some good success very, very much so and i imagine you had a ton of fun absolutely but you know it 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 really you know i think i didn't ever do it on an extremely large scale but when it's going on in the way we did it man it, it it was a lot of a lot of work and effort put put into it while it was going on and i was going to say a lot of fun but a lot of that fun came along with stress too i guess People paying money to for the opportunity to, to to bag a bird that's very hard to capture. Yeah, it was. You know, looking back at it now, self induced stress. I mean, you you want people to succeed, but it's hunting. You know, and in, in, in this part of the country, it's there's no way to guarantee it unless you're gonna keep them with you all year and shoot for them. You know, yeah. so it, it. But but yeah yeah we I mean. You know, there was weekends, obviously, where we had some some tough, adverse weather, and you know, maybe it was March the twentieth, and everything's hand up, and it's tough, and there was times you struggled, and times you had to work extra hard for it, but it was a good thing. Glad, glad, glad did it for sure. All right, so there's guys that turkey hunters to me it seemed like they're they're all gas and no brakes. There's guys that are laid back. From a style standpoint, what would you say Walter Field is? What would be your style, hunting style on the turkeys? Here, uh, which is, I'm here more mm-hmm. than, than I'm elsewhere. More reserved and laid back. Which caught me 
100% off guard, by the way, when I went with you? Uh, I would say s- several people that hunt with me have that same thought. You know, you know, maybe it's not because they, they, they know me elsewhere and see my personality. It's just like, man, you know, what we got going on here? It's boring. But I, I don't know. Yeah, a little, little more reserved. Uh, and pr- probably one of the main reasons – well, at least this is the main reason it started, and then then I kind of started seeing a lot of advantages or benefits from from hunting like this. Is is I you know I'm not I'm not rolling into Kansas or Missouri or, or going to see a friend where I'm there three or four days and we're fixing to do this and we're gonna roll out. I gotta I gotta deal with these turkeys all year. Mm-hmm. I gotta deal with the ones that that make it next year. So. Not educating them or not scaring them or spooking them, that that's a big, big deal to me to the point where, it, you know, I can't <laughs> probably can't relax enough myself. But, yeah, so, you know, I've probably told you before that the only time I want them to know I'm even there is when the gun goes off. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I think uh, you know, I told you I, I tried to learn all I could about calling. And and there's, I probably hit a wall and a ceiling, and it's you know it's probably not that great. So I don't want to. I, I probably a strategy for me is just to kind of leave them curious. I don't want to. I don't want to tip my hand or show my cards. So, you know, I kind of thought about turkeys when we were talking about ducks, and and how, you know. The way we hunt the first two to three weeks is definitely not the way we hunt the last two to three weeks, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of a lot of similarities there with turkeys. You, you know, it's a constant evolution from in Mississippi March fifteenth to May the first. It, it's constantly changing, and uh, I would say a, a a pretty big mistake by a lot of people is let's just say everybody talks about well. That, four to five, six, seven days where they were just, now he's acting stupid. Okay. There's probably entirely too many people that hunt the way you should during that, you know, one-week stretch. They hunt like that all year. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you're going to hunt. You're going to hunt a little different March 15th than you are April 1st, and you're going to hunt different, you know, April 25th than you are then. It's it's constantly, constantly changing. So, yeah, I would say I'm, I'm – I'm fairly reserved. If me and you went to Texas or Kansas or, you know, whatever, and we hit them right, you'd probably say, man, you don't want nothing like this in the house. And, and you'd be right. So it's kind of why I like traveling, get to kind of got to relax a little bit. So you pretty much just threw out that you're probably not the greatest caller. <sighs> the greatest? No. Well, I mean, I mean, not. But you just kind of insinuated that you hit a ceiling and um, on your call in there. Well, when you word it like that, I mean, maybe I worded a little harsh, okay. but but uh, I I fool I fooled quite a few of them <laughs> or I have through the years. But uh, there are things that really really exceptional callers can do and get away with that uh, that I'm not going to do. Right. But 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 I would say I realize those those, and it's. Just me personally, a lot of the, the 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 ranges I struggle with are really really low, which maybe you would use to 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 
to, to close the deal, you know, quote unquote, on a turkey that's almost close enough and you need to, you know, to do something there. I, I struggle with that. And I probably struggle at a really high range, you know, that kind of running, gunning, you know, just walking through the woods or walking down the road and trying to strike one, which I don't do hardly any of that at home. More of a just kind of, and I, you know, probably miss out on a few because of that so anyway so i try to do things that uh if i can't do you know that good I, i'm gonna go on a different strategy you know like let's let's just say uh on those ones that you need to you know like i said quote unquote close the deal with where i'm either just i'm not gonna call let let the curiosity of quietness finish them off mm-hmm. or i'm not gonna call enough to where i would maybe like i said show my hand or you know, I, I I try to leave them curious. Yeah, and I would suggest that whether you can, whether you're an exceptional caller or not, you know, let, the, let their curiosity finish the. Deal. Yeah, there's a lot of. I'm painting with a broad brush, and there's there's obviously exceptions to this, uh, but there's a lot of really good callers that just maybe maybe like calling too much. Mm-hmm. At least in this part of the country, when they're not in that. Like we said, that kind of peak time, you know, there. So, yeah, I would, you would, if you said I was a little more reserved, that'd probably be right. Fair enough. What, what, from a calling standpoint, when you do have to call, what do you generally tend to lean on? I guess, does that vary bird to bird or what, what that turkey's giving you? You know, does there opportunities that he presents that you always match with a, with a return call or something like that? <sighs> you gotta keep in mind that I know little to nothing. So well, it changes so much of the range, so much it's it's definitely not a one size fits all mm-hmm. thing. Um, yeah, and you know, if you listen, he's constantly telling you his his temperament or his mood, and you try to respond accordingly. Uh, you know, just as you hit that question there, I guess one thing consistently is I'm I'm not a big tree caller. Very, very, very rarely to to almost never do I call when a turkey's still in a tree. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just think in so many situations, there's just not a lot gained out of that. Mm-hmm. At least at home, when I do that, well, well, he's on the other side of the river, he's on the other side of the creek, or he's literally roosted right over it, and I want him to pitch down on my side so that's consistent but but usually as soon as i see his feet hit the ground or or as soon as i hear him fly down or as soon as he gobbles and i can tell he's on the ground i'm fixing to hit him quick and uh you know as fact you know how hard i'm gonna hit him and what I, you know I, I guess probably a lot of that d- depends on his mood and what type of you know what time of the year it is turkeys are a lot more vocal early than they are late so when you know when 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 turkeys are vocal uh early in the season you can get away with more calling you don't need to do that you know late in the year everything's kind of changed at that point so mm-hmm. and obviously a lot of the a lot of the turkeys that you're going to be uh hunting late in the season are, are, are older turkeys so you're you're going about it at a at a different 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 extent then too <clears throat> are are you at a point to where maybe like on your farm you say you know i want to kill a more mature turkey 
Or are you, or do you still kill that two year old? When you <laughs> there's, get a a, there's a few collateral damage. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, probably probably one a year. You know, I don't know. You want to you you start start the season off, and you want to scratch the itch. You know, it, absolutely. At the point, you you don't really care if they're two or twenty two. You know, you just <laughs> you, you got to get that notch on your belt. <laughs> but yes, you do get probably a little more more selective. Um, something that I've just kind of, kind of got going on the last few years. And it really goes back to kind of what we were talking about a few mo- minutes ago about educating turkeys as obviously a lot of these turkeys and, and, you know, you're, they're in these big flocks early in the season and there'll be, you know, three or four gobblers in, in a wad with 30 hens. Well, that doesn't last that long. And that's obviously kind of in a, in a peak breeding stage there. I don't typically like to mess with them anymore mm-hmm. i don't want to affect the breeding and i but i mainly don't want them to shoot into this big wad and make everything smarter for the rest of the year so man if you got uh early in the year if you got you know four three-year-olds in a wad and they're, they're doing the group but you got this two-year-old just kind of beat off to the side or a couple two-year-olds and hey that's what's there that's that's he going down. Yeah, man. They, <laughs> you know, that's the beautiful thing about turkey hunting is, is deer, and this is one thing that, you know, probably has kind of diminished my, my interest in that. It's just, you know, I don't know if it's cell phone cameras or social media, but it's, you know, there's a lot of deer, but there's very few trophies. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, even – at the end of when I was hunting, you know, I think the trophy is just a, a mature deer. Maybe not necessarily measure it in inches, but uh, that's the culture of where deer hunting is is gone. Is is chasing the in- inches, or you know, having the best picture, or getting the most likes, or I'm not trying to get too you know, yeah, weird with that. But but I think the 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 beautiful part about turkeys is they're all trophies. I mean, I you know. I, I'm about as excited about a two-year-old as I am if he's six. You know, if he, you know, if he's got inch and a half spurs, well, that's that's icing, but that's really not that big a deal. You know, you wanna you wanna put him in some grease and you know talk about it with your buddies. So and you proud you proud for every one of them. Absolutely, comes, comes you gotta. Turkey, it seems like absolutely you gotta. Appreciate them, respect them. It's just all you know. It's just such a, a great time of year to be out in the woods. Everything's springtime, man. Everything's coming to life. Yeah, you know, been and sitting around the dead of winter, you know, ain't chased a duck six weeks, and you're ready. So it's just a great time of year just to be out. It, it's time. It, it's it, time. It is time. All right. So as we narrow this thing down here, um. Over my shoulder here, probably one of your favorite hunts oh, of all time. Absolutely. Where you took me. Yeah, man. And we killed that turkey right there in that picture. Absolutely. It's a great hunt. Great hunt. And that turkey, the Noxubee River, is that your border on that place? It is. We Essentially your border, for a right? Lot of, for a lot of the place there. For a lot of it. So we sit down to this turkey, and he is across the river. Mm-hmm. Correct. Mm-hmm. And 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 you told me you said all right, sit right here, and uh, listen, and you you'll hear his wings 
pop when he flies across it if he's going to come. He said, but you said, I don't think he's going to cross the river, by the way. <laughs> well, it doesn't happen much. <laughs> it doesn't happen much. And we was there, and and I was there, and I, I just assumed. I said, there's no way this damn turkey is going to come across <laughs> this river. And then I heard you say, all right, get ready. I just heard his wings pop. I was like, he ain't heard no wings pop. You know, the turkey's gobbling over there across mm-hmm. the river. And lo and behold, here he comes up at over at Riverbank, walks right out there, and and you know, I always tell people I was over down over my gun, and I didn't got so worked up I was either fixing to pass out or shoot him, and I heard you say something and I went boom and shot him and got him. But well, he was in a tight spot there. I was glad you shot when you did. He could have he could have smelled a rat pretty quick. It was mighty open right in there. Mighty open, and he was right there too. Oh yeah, I yeah. I didn't know how close he was, but. It was close enough. Probably within 25 steps, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, 25, 30, something. <laughs> yeah. So but how often do you see them cross that river like that? Not, not much? It happens. It doesn't happen much. It's, you know, it's way more common to try it and be unsuccessful at it. But, yeah, no, it, it happens. It's it's almost the, the same strategy to get them across every time. You know, you got to – one is they about can't have hands. Obviously, you know, mm-hmm. if they have hands, they may gobble at you, but they're not coming across that river. And, uh, but, but you kind of got to get them fired up, get, get, get them real interested, and then you got to get quiet. Yeah. Curiosity. Yeah. yeah. You got to get it quiet. If you, if you keep them gobbling and whatever, they'll, they'll never come across it. So, yeah, that particular hunt, if I remember right, we got him pretty cranked up right there on the bank, and then we just had to play the quiet game for him for, with a, for a while there. Yeah. So, but, you heard him. You heard him pop his wings to come across that river. I did, and I didn't. I didn't hear it. Well, they don't have to have much effort. And right there, we were in a little bottom. He had the high ground, so he essentially just had to to elevate himself, and and then he could just coast. So yeah, it wasn't much. It wasn't much noise to it. Right. So you hearing that turkey pop his wings to get across there, and me not. Would that be considered? Uh, woodsmanship <laughs> I don't know if I would I, I don't know if I'd word it that you, there's a lot of things in turkey hunting I'm I literally don't have the best hearing you know there would be pe- people all you know buddies in our duck hunting group that would pick at me and, and joke at me about telling me I'm lying right now but I you know I, I've shot too many shotguns, too, too many rounds. Got a lot of hearing loss, mainly in my left ear. So I don't have the best hearing, but some, a lot of the things in turkey hunting is knowing what to listen for. It wasn't that you – I mean, and I'm just probably probably painting with a broad brush here, but it probably wasn't that you, you couldn't hear it. It's just you didn't know exactly what to listen for. Mm-hmm. And that's really common in turkey hunting with, with turkeys that, that gobble at a distance, just the – the the different sound of it, it it sounds different and then and then probably the most common thing to talk about is 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 the drumming you know he, you know hearing them strut that's it's a different frequency it's it's hard to uh, it's hard to hear but it but it's it's hard to get tuned into it a lot of people hear it and they don't know what they're what they're hearing so so what is woodsmanship <sighs> when I think of woodsmanship I think of paying attention to your surroundings. Okay. When you're out there, and, and, and you know, a lot, 
I, I guess I kind of think of woodsmanship, and let's just let's stay with turkey hunting. Is is man, you you can take that guy's turkey calls from him, and he's gonna keep killing them. You know, mm. but, you know where where are they spending their time? What 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 are they doing? And uh, learning kind of kind of what they're doing, what their patterns, and then uh, learning how to adapt to to, to getting front of them or, or get where they want to be and then and that could probably the you know the, the last part of that is is being able to 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 move around uh, in a manner that can then you know set you up for success is that moving fast when you need to move fast maybe is it being quiet when you need to be quiet absolutely um so but i don't know it's 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 just paying attention to to, to things out there whether that's tracks or scratching you know know, dust marks strut marks you know you know saying hey these you know these i I thought this turkey when he when he when he flew down and he shut up i thought they went this direction and i noticed there's a bunch of fresh scratching here and this is this is kind of one of their spots they want to be well making that adjustment the next day Mm -hmm. and uh not that it's gonna not that they do the same thing every day but i don't know that's that's kind of one of the things that some of the things I think about when when people say you know woodsman or woodsmanship, right? It's what comes to mind. I think that's a good answer. Well, it's about the best answer I got. I don't know if it's good <laughs> or not. <laughs> All right, let's let's end this deal with a few questions. Okay. All right. This will be like uh, one one two word answer questions. What kind of duck calls do you blow? What's your favorite? <laughs> Well, that has changed just in the last few years. Um, you know, I guess I was always just a you know J frame double reed guy, and then and then maybe a couple of years ago, you know, stayed with the J frame, yeah, but went to a single reed, and that was different. And uh, and then you know, in the last two years, probably no, you know, went to more of that cut down. St- style obviously a single read mm-hmm. and uh short barrel long barrel you know it, it's all kind of things but in my opinion with my, with my own personal stuff to what i've done er, every different level that i just went through it went from uh they're harder to blow less forgiving and everyone sound more like a duck and i'm not gonna say i got great at either one of them but uh or maybe even good, but so I don't know. I've got a, I've got a uh, the uh, the Mondo the two B. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Th- that that's that's probably what I would would go to. And then you got what was that one you you gave me back in the this this year? I think it was a Makers. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, probably the the first two I'm grabbing, and. Uh, you know, probably probably the thing that that I struggle with the most, especially for the type of ducks we're trying to hunt, is that it's kind of the same way in the turkeys is that volume control. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you you sound good with it, you know, or sound I sound you know okay with it at a certain volume, but you know, does that does that certain volume you know do good for for what you're? You is know? it too much? Or is depends? It, or is it not enough? You well, know. Well, I tell you what, it would be the it would be the same thing I just said with the with the turkeys. 
you know, probably struggle with, with the low volume stuff and struggle with the high volume. And, uh, you know, hey, when that middle range is what you need to be, well, it works out great. So, Deadly. you know, now what would I, so what I do, what I do if they're, you're just trying to finish them off. For one, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give them very much if I give them anything at all. Yeah. I just kick the water a little more and let, let curiosity. But sometimes you have to, you know, or you think you have to turn them right there. So I'm just give them enough to grab our attention, but not show my hand there. There you so. go. There you go. All right. Um, what kind of waders do you wear? <laughs> Funny question. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I wore the shin waders yep. this year. And uh, my reasons <laughs> of why I got them are maybe for a different different story. <laughs> uh, peer pressure got me. I wasn't fixing to be the only one in hunting camp with without them. My, my my group doesn't have to have. I don't have to you know set them that easy a trap for them to jump on me. So I wasn't gonna give them that opportunity all year. And so, I get accused for taking up for you. I'm glad somebody takes up for me. <laughs> Cause it, it dang sure ain't none of the rest of them. Well, are you glad you did it? Yeah, yeah, good, absolutely. You know, yes, yes. Uh, comfort level, uh, I can't compare it to anything I've done previously. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, happy with them. Uh, and it's just you think about the waiter evolution. You know, they just since we've been doing this, which they've come a long way before us, but. Yeah. Boy, if you had to go back to some neoprene now, you'd about just soon quit. I'm telling you, it'd be tough. And, and you know, another <clears throat> just I, I'll never go back to insulated again. Never. Ever. I, I mean, it's almost, it's just a big a change to go from neoprene to breathables and then going from the from the insulated to the uninsulated. Mm-hmm. So, like the waiter, good waiters. That's, yeah, that's they, what come, they come out good. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, one more. All right. Where'd your truck come from? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're trying to cram them all in here at the end, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Sullivan Motors. Blake Sullivan. Motors. Sullivan. Yep. BS, BS Delivers, right? BS Delivers. Well, yep. he, he did that. He did that. I told Blake, you know, there's obviously everybody's going through some challenging different times now with being able to get anything you know supplies or whatever but this truck this truck stayed on order for a long time i I joke with blake and i said man they have this is bound to be the best truck general motors has ever made <laughs> as much time that they put into this thing so yeah blake uh, sullivan hooked me up that's awesome well good Walt. i walter i appreciate you coming on and being the guinea pig on the story time deal man i sure have enjoyed oh, it i hope i didn't train wreck it right out the gate here <laughs> i mean i think it turned out great um, appreciate you come on. You bet, man. Enjoyed it. Absolutely. And everybody, don't forget this deal is powered by Sullivan Motors. Looking for a ride? Give them a call. And we'll see y'all on the next one.